This is Cartel Conversations, the Micro Model Railway Podcast with your hosts, Ian Holmes and Tom Conroy. What ho and Merry Christmas, everyone. Ian here, and welcome to episode 41 of Cartel Conversations, the podcast of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel and the Micro Model Railway Dispatch Easing. With me today, as usual, is co-host and creator of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel, Tom Conboy. Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas and hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody out there who's listening. Well, another cartel challenge is in the books and we have an official winner. Yes, indeed we do. Drum roll, please. And the winner is Tom Bowdler with his seven eighths inch to the foot scale shadow mountain mining pizza layout. Congratulations to Tom. It really is a worthy winner. Now, speaking as someone yeah, myself who's dipping his toes in seven eighths the inch to the foot scale, I was impressed and I was really inspired. I have to say, when he shared the layout prior to the official contest entry, uh, I told myself, oh, man, this, this is going to win. Outstanding work, Tom. You really did a nice job on that. And, uh, of course, you know, you never know how people are going to vote. But uh, I was not surprised. I kind of figured he'd be the winner on that one. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Uh, But now it's time to do some project updates. And I will go ahead and start first. My model railway bench work, uh, it's actually been cleaned off. And I've got my Christmas village display with my Lionel trolley set up and all my ceramic village buildings. And that means no modeling projects until after Christmas. And I'm going to be diving back in to working on my soggy bottom hollow pizza. I'm also going to be working on an old layout that just seems like it can never get finished. The Westcott Mine and Mill GN15 layout. It's going on almost nine years now. (laughs) Keep putting it off. Those are the two projects I'm going to be working on. So how's your O-Scale Micro coming along? Ah, yes. Well, um, you know, I did do my annual tidying of my workbench last week. And so there's lots of clear space on there. And uh, and, who knows what I'll actually be doing? I know. Nothing could do. Well, I'm just not telling yet. Oh, keeping secrets, are we? Well, yeah, I just got too many ideas. You know what I, you know what I'm like. You know, it's just one idea runs into the next one. So I have a few ideas, and I've also, I have actually been doing a bit of research ready for next year's Christmas challenge layout. So uh, I've not been researching my layout. I've been researching the ideas for it. So so when it comes to the uh, release of the contest in march you know i'll have the answers to all the questions that people are going to pose that sounds great as you know the whole thing about trains under the christmas tree and how they got there fascinates me the amazing thing is that no one knows no one really knows how it all started so i've been engaged in an ongoing research project over the past few years to see what i could find out about the history of the tradition I think it all stems from the Germans, of course. They started the tradition of decorating for their Yuletide celebrations. Yuletide Yuletide is the 12 nights from the winter solstice to the new year. This decorating was known as Putz. Putz comes from the German word meaning to decorate, Putzen. And as the uh, Moravian Germans became Christianized, they used the Putz to celebrate scenes from the Nativity. 
Part of the tradition was that families would go out into the forests before the solstice to harvest mosses and lichens, tree bark and rocks and stones and such like to dress these scenes. It's interesting to note here that lichen, lichen has been for a very long time a preferred material for railway modellers in creating their scenery. In fact, many modellers still do use it. I even have some in my basement that I picked myself a few years ago. The tradition spread to the New World when these families emigrated to the US. The Moravians settled in the Lehigh Valley area around Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and they carried their traditions on, setting up putzes in their homes. The first record of putz in America appears to have been in the mid-1800s when a Philadelphia Ledger newspaper reporter described them in a visit to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania in 1848. He visited churches and houses and was amazed by what he saw. He described the scenes from the Nativity like the Adoration of the Magi, the Annunciation to the Shepherds and others. He described them all in great detail, even down to their construction with rocks and mosses. As the tradition developed, putzes got bigger and bigger. And in 1867, a public putz was opened in Philadelphia to raise funds for the Bethlehem YMCA. Non-biblical things began to be added to the scenes, and putz building started to become more secular than exclusively religious. The size of these scenes meant that they now started to take weeks to build up. It was very much, though not exclusively, a task for the men of the house. Cast iron toys emerged towards the end the late 1800s in the form of homes and carriages, fire engines, such like. So when trains came onto the scene in the 1880s, they too found their way into the poots. People created villages at the base of the tree with items like model farmhouses that they made themselves, models of their own homes. So there was also cheap paper houses began to appear in uh, local department stores and people would buy these and make them up and these too could find their way into the poots. As time went on, these pootses became more and more complex. Clever builders started to add running water to their scenes. Yeah. The Pennsylvanian Dutch in Allentown, Pennsylvania took the idea a step further and they opened their houses to the public to show off their pootses. This sort of sounds like the late 19th, early 20th century equivalent of decorating the outside of your house with lights and figures, doesn't it? Newspapers would report on the town's putzes, and if you made the newspaper list, well, that would be a pretty big deal. The putz seems to have reached its peak in the 1920s. There's photographs out there of vast multi-level schemes with running water as well as trains under the trees. After that, though, came the years of the Great Depression and the war. The Poots' popularity waned as people needed money for more important things in their lives. Though the Central Moravian Church in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania has opened its door to the public every Christmas since 1937 to show off their Poots. Right now, the Poots' ideals seem to be experiencing a bit of a resurgence in interest, particularly in the UK. According to a recent BBC News story, there's been an interest in those small, bare, wooden houses, those laser-cut things, yeah? 
in the USA, you find those at uh, on Amazon and Etsy and uh, as well as crafty stores like Michael's and Joanne Crafts. And I'm sure if you're in Australia, you've got your own your own chain of crafty stores and you can probably find those in there. These tiny houses have been appearing in the background of some of England's uh, seasonal TV commercials. Now, these Christmas adverts are a big thing in the UK and they can influence a lot of things. So people are going out and buying them. You can buy these houses, of course, as a simple kit or you can buy them pre-made. I even saw a model railroad layout in the French model railway forum Voie Libre that used these simple wooden structures. It looked most effective. It was quite unique. I'd never seen anything like it before. And just the other day, I saw a local news story here in Minneapolis about what a local news reporter called a huge diorama at a local church. It was over 300 square feet in size with over 400 figurines in a biblical landscape. Of course it's a poots. And with its biblical theme, it really is quite close to the original ideals of the putzes over 300 years ago. And many of us have adopted the Putz tradition without even knowing it. A well-known modern descendant of the Putz ideals would be the highly popular Department 56 and Enchanted Forest ranges of holiday buildings. And as I said earlier, it seems to be a natural progression from decorating the inside of your house with a Putz to decorating the outside of your house with lights and nativity scenes and such like. So... Where did those first train sets for the Poots come from? German toy manufacturer Marklin is credited with the first commercial train set in 1891, but back then this was not a toy for the masses. There may have been some non-powered tin plate ones out there, but the real powered sets were expensive, and large things they were only available for the well-to-do households. The people at Marklin were clever and saw the train set as an equivalent to the girls' doll's house for boys. They wanted you to buy items for it year after year so that you built and built your train set up. So in addition to sets, you would be able to buy extra coaches and wagons and extra tracks separately. Here in America, there's no doubt that Lionel was a huge driver behind the Christmas train set. Though they had been a successful company before the war, Lionel really came onto the scene in the 1920s due to anti-German sentiment after the Great War. This was also true in England as well, with Hornby experiencing an increase in sales. Of course, it took until the 1950s for toy train sets to become more widespread. As mass production techniques improved due to the wartime production lines, and so production of train sets could increase, you know, Department stores saw a market and liked to plug their own store branded sets for the holidays. Macy's, for example, still have branded train sets for Christmas. We still have the great burning question. Why a train under a tree? Really, nobody really knows why this happened, how this happened. For much of the first half of the 20th century, trains were the only way to travel. The vast majority of people would make their long-distance holiday journeys by train. Perhaps it's a symbolic thing. A reminder that it was the train that brought everyone together. 
I mean, it was the train that shaped America. And the train was the toy to have for the longest time. Ah, perhaps that's it. You know, with the train under the tree, the centerpiece of the holiday, it's a symbol of the family togetherness that brought everybody together for that holiday time. Nowadays, of course, Christmas trains are a big money spinner for the hobby. It may well be 20 years since the Polar Express movie was first released, but the train sets still sell. Harry Potter, too. It's over 20 years since the first Harry Potter movie came out, and 13 years since the last one. But Harry Potter train sets are still popular. Of course, we can't forget Thomas the Tank Engine. He's been around forever. And Lionel, for example, makes sets for all of these in various scales. Well, even Laurie and I have a Polar Express train set under our tree. There's so many train tie-ins with the holidays. There's a Thomas Kincaid Christmas train that uses a Barkman ON30 train set as its base. Barkman also make a North Pole Express set. That one features a train and coaches in the same colour scheme as the Polar Express set. If you ask me, I think that's flirting very dangerously with the copyright infringement laws. My favourite was the Barkman ON30 trolley car set with the reversing unit that, that you could run through your porcelain village holiday scene. Porcelain villages, of course, being a direct descendant of the German Putzes. Sets upon sets. Pretty much any train set manufacturer anywhere in the world has a Christmas set or three in their range. And where would the hobby be without them at Christmas? Yeah? How many of those children and young at heart that open train sets at Christmas, uh, run the train under the tree, carry the hobby on into later life? We really do have a lot to thank the German Poots tradition for. The Micro Model Railway Dispatch is the journal for those interested in the designing, building and operating of micro model railway layouts. Released four times a year and full of inspirational layouts and articles, it's your gateway to the world of micro layouts. The dispatch is free and available for download from micromodelrailwaydispatch.com. There you can download the current and all back issues. You can also show your appreciation and support for the magazine's future through buymeacoffee.com. In addition, you can be placed on the mailing list to access the magazine early by contacting the editor at mmrdeditor at gmail.com. I want to thank everyone who entered the contest this year. The Pizza Challenge is the third micro layout build contest we've conducted so far. And I have to say it has had the largest number of entries. We had a total of 10. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. All the entries were great. I mean, they really were. I was really impressed. Uh, which one of them took your eye, Tom? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I talked about Tom's layout with the working animation, and that was quite excellent. And uh, then Marshall Stull, he had his layout. I have to say, I like the whole thing. I like just that style. I, I really like that. But I have to say that I really liked 
the clockwork layout by Ben Bucky. Or Buckeye, I'm not sure, but I'm going to say Bucky. But if it's not, I apologize, Ben. But uh, that one ended up getting my vote in the end. Uh, mm-hmm. Just listeners, just to let you know, what we kind of do is, is uh, Ian and I, we really kind of hold off our votes just in case we have to do any tie-breaking votes. I know um, maybe a day or so before, Ian, I know you cast your vote. I went ahead and waited. didn't look like we were going to have a tie, so I ended up uh, kind of got busy with things, and I, I had to make my vote at the very last minute because <laughs> I had been busy doing other things, but I did. And I went ahead and voted for Ben's, and I really did that because uh, the more I looked at his layout, uh, the more it grew on me, and it just uh, yeah. was very nostalgic. It made mm-hmm. me think about an old clockwork Marx train set I had when I was about, oh, I'd say seven or eight years old. It just brought back those memories of Christmas time and all. And, and you know, it's sentimental things, but uh, I, I, it was well done. And, and as a matter of fact, oh, they was. all were well done. We even had uh, one uh, where we had uh, two. Uh, one yes. person entered Herb Fluster. Yep. Herb's layouts were great. You know, um, both built in end scale and both built on water heater drain pans. I mean, that was pretty darn creative. Very, very clever. So uh, I I was really impressed with those. And uh, I really enjoyed yours, too, because uh, you you sprung that on me because you didn't say a single thing about that. I mean, you you built it in like eight. I wasn't sure I was going to even make it in the deadline. That's why I didn't mention (laughs) anything. But once I got going, I thought, well, I'm going to wait and spring it on Ian and surprise him on that one. But uh, uh, I kind of held that close to the vest just because I wasn't sure I was going to get it finished on time. But (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah, then I was also pretty amazed by the two really small layouts that we had. Yeah, the ones that were like, you know, on a candle jar top. And the uh, other one built in a uh, small chocolate box. One mm-hmm. was Ken Hutnick's, wasn't it? Windmill Farms. And then the other one was, uh, oh, George Peter Knott's uh, tramway thing. Yes, yes. And Will Fowler, he's done um, several of these. He did a couple of our 24-hour challenges that he entered. Uh-huh. And uh, I liked his entry as well. We, we loved all the entries. I've got one we absolutely have to mention, and that's Chris Rennie's. Chris Rennie's is proof that you have enough space to make a model railroad. That was crazy. So, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff there. But, yeah, I was taken with Ben's clockwork layout. I was torn between that one and Tom's. And, uh, well, the thing was, it's like uh, I'm trying to work in seven eighths myself at some point. And, you know, mm-hmm. so I was really I really like had a uh, appreciation for what he'd done. So that was why it got my vote in the end. I really leaned heavily towards that. Like I said, I voted ended up voting for Ben's. And at that point, it wasn't really going to matter because uh, it was yeah. pretty much set. I didn't have to play tiebreaker with anything. But I really liked that one and, and really enjoyed all the entries. So big thank yeah. you to everybody who entered. And uh, we look forward to next year's. And that's coming up in March. Yeah. yeah. And a reminder to all the challenge entrants to uh, send articles to me for inclusion in a special issue of the dispatch. We had so many layouts, so many great layouts. We could do a special issue of the dispatch on pizza layout. If you don't send them in, there won't be a special issue. So the onus is on everybody to uh, get their layouts into me. So I've had a couple already. So I just uh, I need eight, eight more. I need okay. one from like right. some fella called Tom Conboy as well. Don't I? <laughs> Uh, no problem. I think I got something written up already for you. If I can lift off my <laughs> blog and I'll give it to you. So there you go. 
here we are drawing to close of 2023, getting ready to start a new year. And with the new years, you know, it's it's always popular to make New Year's resolutions. So any modeling resolutions for 2024? Um, build more micros. I mean, I, I have projects lined up, three for certain, perhaps a fourth one if I can swing it and clear the space. Yeah? But more importantly, I need to get my online presence organized. Yeah? I need to work on that. Yeah? Uh, in, in addition to having the micro model railway dispatch website, have like blogs for every layout that I've ever built and every scale you know some that have got built and some of them that uh, haven't so i really need to get all that organized properly so yeah, you almost have, have as proper... many blogs as you have micro layouts <laughs> it seems that way doesn't it <laughs> yeah there's like 20 blogs for yeah for you are a blogging that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i need to work on sorting that out so i mean i I did make a few videos this year, and those were like fun to do. So yeah, perhaps I'll do a few more and make that kind of like a bit more of a regular feature on the blogs as, as they turn up. I've been following along with some of your videos, and uh, I really like you know getting a a bit more uh, length on your videos. And uh, the last one, I didn't get all the way through it yet. Yeah, uh, just been busy, but on the three um, D track uh, that uh -huh. you have with your new project on that, that looked really neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the 3D track really, really impressed me. So it's like I'm looking forward to working with that. Well, my resolution for this new year is to, again, as I mentioned earlier, complete those two unfinished micros. But here's the key. I'm going to finish these before I start a new one. After those are finished, then I can look into starting something new. Part of that's motivated by the fact that I am running out of layout storage space. <laughs> so I got to sit down. I'm running out of places to put this stuff. So that's uh, that or either sell them or throw them away. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I don't yeah. really want to do either one of those. So yeah. there yeah. you go. But yeah. uh, I... the only sticking point for me is I'm actually going to have a bit less time. And that's mm -hmm. due to a focus on a new opportunity I have with my art business. I'm actually going to be conducting painting workshops in my local community, and I've already got several students lined up for the new year, and that's going to kind of keep me busy. I'm sort of semi-retired, and uh -huh. uh, so I'm doing this kind of on the side, and uh, the nice thing about it is is this actually helps fund my modeling hobby to do art supplies out of that same thing, too. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to be doing some uh, wet-on-wet -wet painting workshops and doing some other things with that, and so that's going to keep me busy matter of fact after the first of the year i'm probably gonna be doing maybe two workshops in january if the weather permits with the winter weather so mm -hmm. we'll see how it goes but anyway uh, that's what i've got it lined up for the new year excellent well that certainly does sound exciting you know i wish you certainly do wish you every success with that that's going to be great thanks ian i appreciate it by the time you've listened to this, you'll probably have downloaded the latest issue of The Dispatch. I hope you're enjoying it. If you have not downloaded it yet, you've got something to look forward to. You've got 63 pages of micro layout goodness to get you through the holidays. And Ian, as of today, as we're recording this today, has it been published now to the general public or is that uh, still a day or so away? going to be released to the general public on the 21st of december and the latest 
circulation figures I have for the dispatch is like almost 4,000 people downloading it. So that's really great. That makes me feel really good about what I'm doing. Good job and good issue, too. Then all I got to do is go to, Ian, your website for the dispatches. Micromodelrailwaydispatch.com. And you can find all the back issues there as well. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas, a happy holiday, and uh, hope you have a great new year coming up in 2024. Ian, any thoughts? Well, everybody, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you all. I mean, thank you for all your support this year, listening to the podcast and downloading the dispatch. And I've loved getting all the feedback from you all, whether it's been positive or negative. But it's been great to have such good feedback. It's got stuff to work forward to for next year. And, you know, I just want to wish every one of you a productive hobby-filled and happy new year. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us. You can contact us at one of the following. You can email the show at microcartel at AOL.com. You can also leave a comment at the podcast blog page, and you can find that at microcartel.blogspot.com. If you're a Facebook user, be sure to join the Cartel Facebook group. Just search for the Micro Model Railroad Cartel. It is a private group, so you will have to join before viewing the group content. Please be sure to answer all three questions in order to join the cartel group. From Ian and myself, thank you for listening. <laughs>